Engaging Leader, Episode 140, Cross-Generational Communications, How to Bridge the Gap to Engage Multiple Generations, brought to you by Aspinel Communications and by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Not long after Aaron and I got married in the mid-90s, I was working at a large global HR consulting company. We had some amazing communication technology. One thing we had was this big metal box. You put a message in the box, and a guy in little shorts comes and takes the message anywhere you want in just one day. We also had a smaller plastic box. You feed your letter in that box, and it sends a copy of your message through the phone line in just minutes. Or, if it's feeling a bit hungry that day, it eats your message and crunches it up. And we had a brand new thing called the internet, which we could use to send email in just seconds. Now, I loved getting email back then. I only received about five emails per day. So each one made me feel mm, special. Somebody's thinking about me right now. I don't know. Do you remember a time in your life when you were excited to get email? Mm, not so much anymore, right? Well, I felt very proud to be part of that company. And, you know, the way we communicated added to my pride. Fast forward just a couple years. As our kids started coming along, I took an opportunity to get back to my hometown. It was a job with another HR consulting company. They were good, smart people. But you know what? They did not yet have an email system. In fact, they didn't even have voicemail. They did everything by FedEx, fax, and carrier pigeon. Okay, not exactly, but they did do paper memos the old-fashioned way, and they had a receptionist who would take phone messages for you down on little pink sheets of paper. Anybody remember those? Now, to the older generations of people there, it was an acceptable way to communicate. But to me, it seemed very inefficient and clunky compared to how I had been communicating. And whereas I had been proud of my previous company... Here I was embarrassed by the company until they finally implemented newer systems. At that point, there was a shift in how communication happened, and to a great extent, it was driven by a new generation of employees like me. So that was all in the mid, and late, mid to late 90s. Today, 2016, we are in the early years of a fundamental demographic shift. The millennial generation, also known as Gen Y, already makes up a third of the workforce, and it's getting bigger as younger millennials continue to graduate from college. Their powerful mix of values, communication style, and work perspective is driving a work culture revolution. Some of the ways we've communicated benefits in the past may seem fine to us older generations, but to them, it feels inefficient, clunky, and yes, even embarrassing. In order to attract and keep top talent and to influence their actions, we need to change how we engage the people in our workforce. So today I want to briefly discuss the distinctions of the three primary generations that make up today's workforce. 
I'll share a framework to help you develop communication strategies, including three cross-generational lenses to calibrate your strategy. Now, by cross-generational, I mean communication strategies that work across multiple generations in order to bridge the generational gap. And finally, I'm going to remind you about three keys to content that's effective in influencing people across the three generations to take action. Now, keep in mind, this is not just about transmitting information. Workforce communication and leadership communication uh, are really more about listening to people and using key principles to grab attention, inspire trust, and nudge behaviors of people to deliver results that matter, all within the messy, crazy complexities of a human organization. It's not easy, but learning and practicing the principles of effective communication can help you become a better leader, a more successful business person, and maybe even a better person overall. Now, today's workforce is made up primarily of three generations, baby boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials. While every individual is unique, the three generations display key distinctions in motivations, preferences, and behaviors. Just to make sure we're all on the same page, let's talk about who each of these generations are. Baby boomers typically describe people who were born between 1946 and 1964. So they're currently in their 50s and 60s, and there's about 77 million of them in the U.S. Generation X generally describes those born from 1965 to 1980. So they're in their late 30s and their 40s. And there's only about 65 million of them, so more, 12 million fewer than the baby boomers. And the millennials were born 1981 through 2000. So of those who are in the workplace already, they're in their 20s and their early 30s. But again, there's still a bunch that are uh, coming up through college, I guess. Let's see. So I think the yeah, probably the, the youngest millennials are already graduating high school. Well, let me think. I take that back. So my son, Danny, who's my third out of four kids, he is, would be, he was born in 2000. So he is the youngest of the millennials and he's a junior in high school right now. There are 83 million millennials. It is even bigger than the baby boom. That's, uh, about 6 million more people than baby boomers. So they're currently already make up a third of the workforce. They're, it's projected that they're going to make up half of the workforce. That's why social scientists believe it will have such a huge impact on the workplace. Let's focus a little bit more on the baby boomers. Think about some of the things that influenced the baby boomers as they came of age. The civil rights movement, the Vietnam War, the sexual revolution, the Cold War, the race to the moon. Now, you may recall that some critics called this the me generation. Uh, they were, a lot of uh, older observers thought that they seemed self-focused, materialistic, uh, more caring about their own self-fulfillment uh, rather than serving other people. But these were post-war babies, and the American dream was promised to them as children. And so as they pursued it, some of these older generations at the time viewed them as self-focused. But in terms of in the workplace, they've got great attributes, make great people 
on your team. Uh, you tend to see a picture of ambitious, competitive, optimistic people. They may challenge authority, but they're loyal to their employer. Given the choice, they tend to stick with the same employer for 10, 20, 30 years or even more. They tend to be ethical and idealistic, and they have a strong work ethic. In fact, work ethic to them means long hours. When they were entering the workforce, it was important to be seen putting in the hours. And so they're often very driven. Uh, They're uh, a lot of times could be described as workaholics. Not all of them, but there's a a, a common attribute um, that work is part of establishing their feelings of self-worth and fulfillment. Now, family is important to them, but your typical baby boomer is going to show through their actions that work comes first. Now, how do they like to communicate? Research shows that boomers tend to prefer face-to-face and paper. In fact, if you send them an email, there's a good chance they'll print it out. They're somewhat formal in their communications. Now, the generation before them uh, would have sent you a letter and it would have started out, uh, Dear Sir or Madam. Uh, baby boomer, they're going to send an email and it's typically typically going to start out, hello, Susan, or something similar like that. I'll compare that in a little bit to how the younger two generations handle their communications. So let's back up and talk about Gen X, talking about my generation. As Generation X came of age, life was increasingly complex less black and white. This is the first postmodern generation. The influencers as we were coming of age were Watergate, the energy crisis, the end of the Cold War, AIDS, crack cocaine, an increased divorce rate. You couldn't just assume that the U.S. and its president were the good guys. (laughs) You couldn't assume that your parents would be there when you got home. Uh, or that you could trust the politicians or the preachers on TV, or that you could trust a company to provide job security. So a lot of Gen Xers grew up having to take care of themselves early. You know, that was tough, but when you discovered you were up to the challenge, it made you confident and resourceful. And we started our careers at a time when pensions were disappearing, and jobs were heading offshore, and companies were downsizing. Now, you may recall that some people call this the why me generation. You know, if the boomers were the me generation, Gen X was the why generation or the slacker generation. Uh, in, in fact, um, so the, the phrase Generation X was originally a negative term. And even today, when researchers ask a typical Gen Xer, what do you think about your generation? A typical response is, I don't belong to that generation, or that doesn't describe who I really am. Generation X doesn't really like to think of itself as a generation. Uh, doesn't want to be generalized like that. But in terms of how they operate at work, many Gen Xers are adaptable, self-starters, confident, flexible, and focused on results. Now, I just have to point out, we're also used to not getting a whole lot of attention. We're like the middle, ch- middle child. Uh, when we entered the workforce, all the attention was on the baby boomers, this humongous generation, the me generation. And now, guess where all the attention is? As the baby boomers are starting to retire, um, all the focus is on the 
is on Gen Y, on the millennials, because it's an even bigger generation. So nobody pays us any attention. (laughs) Ah, well. Now, if work ethic to the baby boomers means long hours, work ethic to to Gen X is about productivity. Getting stuff done so that you can have money and time for your family and the rest of life. A lot more focus on work-life balance, I guess you'd say. Gen X, how do we like to communicate, tends to be more tech-savvy. However, we do still have a preference for face-to-face. Email is fine for a lot of Gen Xers. I mean, we are often email ninjas. As much as I hate to get email, I tend to be pretty adept at um, managing it and sorting through it. We're also mm, fairly comfortable with newer technologies, text messaging and uh, instant messaging and social media. Now, we tend to be more casual in our communications. So if the older, if, if, if the uh, World War II generation would say, dear sir or madam, baby boomers say, hello, Susan, um, if we send an email, it's going to start, start out, hi, Susan, or something similar like that. So how about millennials? Millennials came of, came of age, and many of them are coming of age right now, but it's ha- happened during a time of technological change, globalization, and economic disruption. So you, you had a, uh, school shootings, you had 9-11, you had smartphones, the Great Recession, social media. These are the first digital natives. They've never known a time without internet and mobile phones. They're also the first in the modern era to be in worse financial shape than their parents were at the same age. They have higher levels of student loan debt, poverty, and unemployment, and lower levels of wealth and personal income compared to Gen Xers and baby boomers when they were at the same stage of their life cycles. However, millennials are a very optimistic and purpose-driven or mission-driven generation. They've been, it's been observed that they hope to be the next great generation to turn around all the wrong in the world. Now, a lot of people have pointed out they grew up more sheltered as parents strive to protect them from the evils of the world. I have to say that's definitely true with our parents. I mean, with, with uh, our kids. Uh, when I was growing up, we roamed the neighborhood. In fact, we roamed the city, riding bikes all over the place and uh, not a whole lot of oversight. And, uh, I mean, our kids, we did not let them out of our, out of our sight, basically. We always knew what where they were at any given time. And that's not uncommon. Millennials spent more time with their parents growing up than previous generations did. Now, this surprises a lot of people, but according to Pew Research from 2014, hours spent parenting have increased for both fathers and mothers, tripling for fathers since 1985, but also increasing by 60% for mothers. Now, if boomers were the me generation and Gen X was the why me generation, some critics have called millennials the me, me, me generation, meaning they're even more self-focused than baby boomers were accused of being. I don't know if that's true. I do know that uh, there's a lot to like in terms of their attributes in the workforce. They are the biggest generation of history, but they're also the best educated generation of history. As I said, the first generation of digital natives, and that affinity for technology shapes how they spend their time and make decisions. Very comfortable using technology. 
They are at ease in teams, including teams made up of older generations. Work ethic for them is not about long hours. It's not necessarily about getting stuff done. It's about contribution, contributing to a purpose or a cause they believe in. It's important for them to be able to see the bigger picture. If you could teach them how the business works, how it serves a valuable purpose, and how they can make an impact, they'll perform better. Now, work is just one component of their life. They need to make money and they want to contribute, but that's just one facet. And they'll definitely make choices in favor of quality of life over career. How do they communicate? Millennials are very social, very mobile. They expect to be able to get information or ask questions on demand the instant they have a need. They like to have lots of feedback and, again, on demand. They tend to not be fans of email. A lot of them have opted out of email. Now, they're big on multitasking, so they're usually communicating at the same time they're doing something else, like sitting in a meeting. So they often prefer quick, silent, and easily digestible information. Millennials are very casual in their communications. When they send an email, it typically starts out, Hey, Susan. Now, I don't know if you all noticed that, but um, and I, I know every older generation at first is uncomfortable with the younger generation, but it took me a while to get used to that when people started sending emails saying, Hey, Jesse, instead of, Hi, Jesse, or just Jesse. So I point this out not only because that's how they communicate, but their preference is receiving information that's similarly casual. You've probably noticed that a lot of the software that we use nowadays and websites have a, a much more casual style and a lot of more humor injected. Just today, I clicked on a link that took me to, uh, it, was a, it was a broken link. So it took me to the right website, but there, that page didn't exist. And <laughs> it was saying, you know, this page, the page you're looking for is not here. And then they had this caricature of Lionel Richie, and it said, uh, hello, is it me you're looking for from that old Lionel Richie song? You want me to sing it for you? No, probably not. So we've talked a little bit about the work styles. How about the communication? Uh, and we talked about the communication preferences. It's interesting to look at what methods are most employers using today to communicate to their workforce. When you look at different surveys, it's very clear that most of it across the U.S. is currently happening by email. Paper communications is, uh, is second place, and face-to-face meetings takes third place. So that's fitting pretty much to the preferences of baby boomers and Gen X. Only about 3% is happening right now through text messaging and only 5% through social media, which are, of course, some of the preferences of millennials. I'm going to give you a framework for how to communicate effectively across all three generations. But first, I want to take a minute to tell you about FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Before I founded Asmodale Communications in 2004, I worked at a couple of larger consulting firms. And at those companies, we had really clunky systems for keeping track of our billable time and then invoicing clients. Everyone hated doing it. And we put it off until the last possible minute. With Aspendale, we wanted to avoid that situation. And thanks to FreshBooks, we do. Now, of course, I don't think accounting will ever be fun, But FreshBooks has taken out most of the pain and wasted time from the process. 
And our clients receive nice professional invoices, which they can access on any device, including mobile. And it keeps track of all invoices and even automatically sends clients a reminder if they're late in paying. Not that that ever happens with our clients. <laughs> now, FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use to our listeners totally free right now, and you don't need a credit card for the trial. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com forward slash leader and enter engaging leader in the section that says, how did you hear about us? Now, when we look at these generational segmentations, there's a danger that we'll put too much weight on, on these differences. There's a risk in thinking that all people of a certain demographic are the same and that they're also distinctly different from everyone in other demographics. Now, as most people will tell you from their own experience, that thinking is fundamentally flawed. For example, my brother and sister and I are all Gen X, but we're very different from each other in terms of what we value and how we communicate. I mean, Zach and Chelsea are wrong, by the way. I just want to point that out. I'm the oldest child in the family, and so I'm right. I make the rules, and they should just follow them. Don't you think? But seriously, don't just simplistically design an engagement experience based on a generational profile. Understand the distinctions between the generations, yes, but then recognize that we're all people. And so it's helpful to kind of look for archetypes that are representative of certain generational traits in order to inspire and inform your strategy. But then expand your view to include the broader aspects that unite us as humans. That's why I'm foc- I want to encourage you to, to use keys to cross-generational effectiveness, things that are going to work across all generations. Broader principles that resonate and, uh, and help bridge the gap. Never forget that there are universal things that every generation wants, especially respect, being heard, and feeling appreciated. So the starting framework when you're developing a communication strategy is what we call the 5M framework. Uh, we call it that because the communication needs to stick to people even better than 3M post-it notes. So we thought we'd be a couple M's better than 3M. Now, we talked about the 5M framework way back in episode three of Engaging Leader, Five Steps to Creating a Communication Plan. So I'm not going to explain this uh, in depth. You can go back and listen to that yourself. But just briefly, um, I'll tell you about the five M's. And depending on the specific issues involved, this may be quick and simple, or it may be a more comprehensive strategy. Just make sure you use the five M framework to think intentionally about these five issues. Mission, which is about what business or outcome does this communication need to achieve? Let's begin with the end in mind. The second M is members of the audience. Who are we going to communicate with? Or if... We want proper grammar. With whom will we communicate? And what do we know about them? The next M is messages. What are the key things that we want them to know, to believe, or to do? Media. What communication channels and content will best connect with each type of person? And the fifth M is manager support. How should we equip these highly influential people so they can help make this a success? Now, this 5M framework is timeless. But what you actually do for each M will vary based on circumstances. And the generational shift that we're undergoing has a fundal, fundamental impact on two of these. 
members, and media. So we need to use some cross-generational lenses to calibrate these two M's. So the 5M framework is timeless. It's like a map that we use to navigate to our chosen destination. The three lenses that I'm going to explain to you are like, um, like a telescope lenses that you need to look through to make sure that you get where you want to go. So it's like you're navigating a ship through the ways of these shifting demographics. You've got your map, but you use the telescope lenses to make sure you get where you're trying to go. And the three cross-generational cross -generational lenses, that's easy for me to say, are these. Multi-channel, a concept known as Gen Mobile, and the phrase content is king. Multi-channel means to use more than one communication channel each time you communicate. At a minimum, you should use three channels. For example, email, poster, and a message on a mobile map. Or consider face-to-face, -face because remember, that's still really important for baby boomers. It's really important for Gen X, and it's still going to be pretty meaningful for millennial. Now, why is it so important to use at least three channels? Well, first of all, they're more likely to see it. Some time ago, I was talking to a friend who was the longtime benefits director for a large manufacturer. And she said, it seems harder than ever to reach people with important messages. And shortly after the new year began, there was a salaried employee who discovered that her flexible spending account debit card no longer worked. She had been unaware of open enrollment in the fall. Uh, so she had failed to re-enroll in her benefits, including the FSA. So the, the FSA um, reset to zero, and she couldn't now change it until the following year. And so now her taxes for the new year were going to be $600 higher because she couldn't take advantage of the FSA's tax savings. She was ticked, and she thought the company should have done more to increase awareness. So the company, of course, it's got a lot of hourly employees to worry about, and that tends to be where they focus their efforts. But what did they do for salaried employees? They really only used two communication channels for salaried employees. One was email, but this woman said, I just get so many emails every day that I, I, I didn't notice this announcement. The second channel was a slide on a TV monitor in the lunch cafe. She said, well, I don't hardly ever eat lunch there. Now... <laughs> Part of me wants to say, lady, look, that's your problem. Read your darn email. But if you really want to reach people with an important message, then you need to apply cross-generational lenses. And many people, especially millennials, have opted out of email. It not only uh, using at least three channels will not only increase the likelihood people will see it, they're more likely to believe it and remember it. So if you've got a message that you need people to believe that may be a little bit of a stretch, if they hear it three different places, like in a company publication and from their manager and in a video, they're more likely to believe you and, and, and remember it. Now, a lot of the times you can use the same content and repurpose it in different ways. It's like the person who shares something on Facebook and then I'll, uh, shares the same thing on Twitter. And so we do that a lot. We, we'll, we'll come up with a a clever way for a company to communicate or it doesn't have to be clever but it's something a good a good way to communicate and we'll use it multiple ways for, for example recently for a large employer 
we did a, a meme series and we had these humorous uh, photos with some funny words on them that uh, kind of got across, that caught attention. And then we would have a, a blurb under that that provided a key message and then we would link them to more information. And we used that on their SharePoint feed. We also used it in a Facebook group. Um, and we used it, we we, uh, it, we actually created a flyer and uh, had that, emailed that flyer to HR reps at their facilities all over the world. And then the HR reps would print that off and put it on a bulletin board. And we changed that meme every week for the duration of this campaign. So every week... There was it was catching people with a different funny thing, and we in multiple media channels. So the first lens is multi-channel. The second lens is Gen Mobile. Mobile has become a preferred means of communication and working for a large and growing percentage of the workforce across all generations. And for some people, this preference for mobile is a more significant factor than actually their generation. So. Some industry observers, including the Great Place to Work Institute, have dubbed this portion of the workforce Generation Mobile or Gen Mobile. So in other words, if you're one of the many people who just prefer to communicate uh, using your mobile device, so texting and so forth, if, if you naturally gravitate toward that versus any other type of communication, for many aspects of your work culture, that is a bigger factor than whether you happen to be a baby boomer or a Gen Xer or a millennial. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail about mobile because I have recorded several recent podcasts and written a blog posts about mobile engagement. I'll put a link to those in the show notes for this episode. But for starters, I'd encourage you to check out Engaging Leader episode 118, which was called Engaging Employees in the Mobile Moment featuring Joe Loya. Also, over on our Workforce Health Engagement podcast series, uh, episode 26 was uh, a good one. That was Mobile Platforms for Workforce Health Engagement. So we have Multi-Channel, we have Gen Mobile, and the last of the three cross-generational lenses is Content is King. You've probably heard that phrase before. Content is what actually gets people to think or act differently. So even if you screw up in other ways, maybe you don't use enough commun communication channels or you have a really clunky communication channel, like an old uh, internet, if your content is really effective, you can still grab attention and influence people. They'll, if it's really good stuff, people will pay attention and they'll share it with, with others. But even if you have great channels and you you know, you're, you, you've heard the phrase, be everywhere. Like you, you're putting your stuff on 10 different channels and, um, and you've got like million dollar channels. You, you got the latest and greatest intranet uh, with social media and all that kind of stuff. If your content isn't effective, you're, you're, you're not going to meet your communication objectives. You, people are going to ignore it. And there are three secrets to effective cross-generational content. And I've talked about all three of them recently. These are the three secrets are visual, sticky, and nudgy. Visual is about using images and video appropriately. Check out Engaging Leader episode 127, Let's Get Visual, Six Engaging Ways to Use Images. Sticky 
it means engaging their attention to build awareness, understanding, and a desire to take action. I talked about that in episode 136, Sticky, Seven Keys to Making People Notice, Care, and Act. Now, we also want to go beyond just creating awareness and a desire to take action. We want to truly change people's behaviors. So the final of the three secrets is nudgy. That means we use and apply evidence-based insights from behavioral economics in order to influence people to make an optimal choice in the moment of truth. How do we get them to actually follow their good intentions when it comes to that moment of truth? You know, like, uh, today I'm only going to eat a healthy salad for lunch. But what choice will I actually make if you invite me to go out to lunch with you and you order first and you get french fries and a large chocolate malt? A key finding from behavioral economics is that in that moment of truth, People tend to choose short-term gratification, even if it has long-term consequences. I tell you how to do that in Engaging Leader, episode 138, Nudgy, How to Influence People to Make an Optimal Choice in the Moment of Truth. All right, Engagers, that's a framework for bridging the gap to engage multiple generations. And that wraps up this episode. You can find links to all the episodes that I mentioned on our show notes which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 140 as an episode 140. Thank you to our sponsor, FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Remember, you can claim a free month if you go to freshbooks.com forward slash leader and enter Engaging Leader in the section that says, How did you hear about us? This is a production of Asmodel Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications. My colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results in several areas, including talent management, workforce health engagement, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at EspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Monica Harrison, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers.